0: Lord, help us discover today some of the riches of this passage. It is like a diamond that has many, many sides to it. It is remarkable, it's glorious, it's captivating. But Father, we pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, will move in us. Help us to see the riches that are here and, in seeing them, worship you more deeply this Advent season. And Father, help us to become disciples as we hear about Jesus in this passage. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. I want to cover just three quick ideas. Um, riches. If uh, in knowing Jesus there are inexhaustible riches, well, John's Gospel right here, just in these 18 verses, we have many, many riches. Let me cover a few of them. The riches of order, uh, the riches of life-giving goodness. We'll talk about that. And the life, and excuse me, and then the, the riches of mystery. The riches of mystery. We'll cover those things. So order, goodness, and mystery. How's your life going right now? Uh, how are you feeling? Um, uh, Christian counselor once said that we live in our feelings. That's where we live. How's your life going? Are you feeling down? Has been expressed in prayer requests already this morning. What's the epicenter of your life? Where do you find comfort? Where do you find it? Does your life feel chaotic and uncertain? Do you feel like? The world is run in a a random kind of way. John, in his gospel, presents to us a picture of the creation. He parallels the opening of his gospel purposely with the opening words of Genesis. You may have already noticed that. In the beginning, God was speaking, and creation was happening because of God's speech. John then takes this idea of creation and speaks to the eternal God the Son and says that there was the activity of the Son in creation as well. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Theologians like to describe uh, the the Father as the planner in the Trinity, the Son as the implementer of the Father's plan. And then the Holy Spirit, of course, is the, the one who maintains providentially by the power of God all things that we experience, the laws of nature, etc. And so creation is created or thought of by the Father. The Son implements the plan, and the, and the Spirit maintains the, the created order. There's a worldview being spoken about here. And we are living in an age of of worldview clashes. But the logos, again, an idea from, from Greek philosophy, is addressed here. And John is addressing essentially all impersonal worldviews. In fact, if you want to get very philosophical... You might uh, think about it this way. What is the nature of reality? The nature of reality is not impersonal. It is personal. Jesus, when he talked about truth, he said, I am the truth. So truth is not an abstract principle floating around. Truth is embodied, expressed, experienced, because a person is saying they are the truth. There is a worldview gauntlet being thrown down by John and saying, this believer, first audience, believer, where are you getting your worldview from? And how is that worldview informing your humanity? The Logos of God is the eternal Son of God. It's important that we make this phrase, the way we speak about the title of the Son of God, it's important that we do this correctly. There will be many quasi-Christian groups, cult groups, that will use the phrase, Jesus was the Son of God your better question back to them is, was he God the Son? Now that's a different question. Son of God you can play with, be a little bit loose with, but was he God the Son? What's being presented here is God the Son is a part of creation, a, a co-creator, as it were, with the Father, John, in his introduction, is throwing down a worldview gauntlet. What questions are helpful, but they are not the ultimate question? A better question is who. Now, of course, why would we avoid the who question? <laughs> um, um, well, it's, uh, let's say you, you hear a bump in the night, <laughs> and you're relieved to know it's your dog that knocked over something in the house. That's better than a who who is in the house that you may not recognize. Everyone understanding? So when you deal with persons, you deal with uh, wills and uh, uh, potentialities uh, that might be troubling. Also, if you're dealing with God as a who, not just a certain sort of abstract concept, a who who really has a moral nature, then you get a little concerned uh, because you wonder if, do you line up with his will? The who might just be requiring of you an alignment to his will. That's why there is a lot of animated uh, energy uh, toward creating a naturalistic worldview that things are just happening by chance. We have no way of explaining our personhood no, no reason to explain our personhood. We are just advanced uh, amoebas that were once very bored in some primordial swamp somewhere with enough heat and enough time. Why, the person next to you jumped out of that. I mean, I'm being a little facetious, a little sarcastic. Perhaps you can know where I'm coming from. But that is essentially it. Time, chance, a little heat. And you have human beings who are accountable to no one. But we live in this moral universe, and behind this is an ordered universe. Again, I was just just think about the consistency of creation that you enjoy. Think about it. Just think about the idea. I might sound silly up here. The color orange. The color orange. Tomorrow morning it will be the same orange. Or if you paint a, a, a perhaps a variation of it, uh, you you can have confidence to know that if you painted it this afternoon, perhaps the paint dries a little bit, and perhaps it's not quite exactly the orange that you saw this afternoon, but tomorrow you can rely upon that orangeness to be there. What I am trying to get across here is the marvelous nature of, of fabrics, of coffee, of windows, of steel, of jet fuel. Isn't it nice that jet fuel works? It doesn't work for half hour on your flight? (laughs) I mean, in other words, look out the window from from seat 21A sometime. And marvel. Boy, I'm just amazed. Those jet fuel molecules are working. It's just amazing it's a controlled explosion by the way in the early days it really was an explosion <laughs> but 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 now it's controlled are you are you aware of who is behind these events that we take so casually and assume when i take off on a plane i almost always turn over i love that i love the thrust and the that moment when you're just getting airborne. And I turn to a complete stranger next to me. I know you might think it might be weird to travel next to me, but I say this. I say, man, I wish Orville and Wilbur could see us now. And they don't even know who I'm talking about. And they just say, yeah, that would be great too. Sure. Who, who, who's that? You know? Do you see the riches of the order that the Son of God is behind. That's what John wants to communicate to the world. Oh, you think he was just a well meaning rabbi who had a tragic ending? Not the Jesus I walked with. When I saw his glory, I saw the glory as as of the co creator with the Father. Wow. It is not a what, it is a who. And in this person is life, and they are good. The riches of order, the riches of order, are you basking in it? Secondly, the riches of life-giving goodness, the riches of life-giving goodness. By the way, I would uh, recommend to you that you just take John's Gospel, chapter 1, 1 through 18, just read it. Read it for the next 20, day, 20 days, 22 days up to Christmas. Or I would just read it, and I would recommend to you, watch what happens to you. Read it for five days straight, and you say, I've got it down, I've got it down. Read it on the sixth day, watch what happens. There are depths in this passage that you will not ever come to the end of they are remarkable. The riches of life-giving goodness. Look at a verse 4. In him was life. He didn't teach about life. He didn't te- teach principles of life. In him was life. Well, tell us, John, what do you mean by this? And the life was the light of men. I, you got to realize john is a remarkable imaginative writer a poet if you uh, are a little intimidated by the book of revelation just get used to it watch what he does with language to represent a truth and here it is what makes humans flourish it's the life in them from God. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So picture in your mind Jesus walking. Picture in your mind Jesus performing a miracle. Picture in your mind the darkness up against him. Picture in your mind the hardness of heart. Picture in your mind the the evil that wanted to snuff him out Picture in your mind the resistance. And now notice this, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. Of course, that's a picture of the darkness of creation as well. But this, is, this has a moral quality to it. This is not darkness of outer space. This is the moral darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Anyone encouraged? Yes. The darkness has not overcome it. It's a, it's a statement of that this goodness in Jesus, this beauty in Him, could never be overwhelmed by evil or darkness. And under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, John pictures human flourishing as coming from Christ. Here's the big picture. You know how this all started with Adam as our federal head? Garden of Eden? Genesis? Well, we're all living out uh, in relation to Adam right now. Now, There's a second Adam, Jesus, and all who believe in him are now finding life and living out their lives in relation to him. My point is this, God always intended that humanity would flourish through the Son of God. Now, there's all kinds of questions we have, and why go through all this history? Why go through time? Why have sin? Why have Adam and Eve? All kinds of questions. But we know now that the the final representative of humanity is Christ, our second Adam. And it's from him we receive life. It's from him we were always intended to receive life. Non-Christian thought, of course, has almost no explanation except maybe the chemicals and the, the science or the biology of our bodies. Or has, has no explanation for the purposes of life or even a good definition of what human flourishing would be. But the non, the, It's interesting, though, that there's something remarkable being said here. In him was life. Look at verse 4. And the life was the light of men. Now, is that restricted only to Christians? Look at verse 4. And the light was the light of men. Now, 2 plus 2 is equaling 4. That's not in the book of Numbers. Did you know that? Is it true? It's okay to say yes. So you believe something is true outside the Bible. Are you, really, are you really ready to take a stand on that? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? 2 plus 2 equals 4. Does everybody agree? I'm, I'm not really good at math, but I, I, I'm okay up to this point. 2 plus 2 equals 4, right? Is that in your Bible? No, it's not in your Bible. <laughs> Just, I can tell you for sure it's not in your Bible. So you are believing something's true outside of the Bible. Wow. Good for you. You have good reasoning skills. I don't at all mean to be condescending at all. The life was the light of men. So when a non-Christian bumps into truth, it came from God. It's okay. And they're all bumping into truth all the time. And two plus two is just the beginning of it so what are we doing, we, if we're scientists, or we, if we are biologists, or astrophysics, or whatever we're doing, what are we doing? We are not discovering anything. We are just following God's thoughts after him. And that is the thought of Dutch theologian Cornelius van Til. There is no discovery out there. There's no, except that we're just Finding out what God has been thinking. So, science is not the final arbiter of truth. It finds truthful things, but God is in the thinking, assisting the thinking of even non believers. But John changes things a bit here, and he says that the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John speaks to the moral condition of man and the overcoming beauty that comes from Christ. Look at verse Look at verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Now notice this goodness. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then he caused them to be born who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. I love how John just layers uh, by the way if you think you became a believer because of your will because of your effort because of your lineage because of your because of your, he just layers it right there. you were born into the family because of God's will. nothing could be more clear in in our Bibles. My point is this. Do you see the riches of his goodness? He's the light of men. He's the one who caused us to be born into the family. Verse 16, for from his fullness, do you sense that beauty and goodness? Since from his fullness, we have all received He held nothing back that would cause us, that would would bring about our flourishing. John is an old man reflecting. This was likely one of the last things, perhaps the book of Revelation is next. This is one of the last inspired scriptures of the New Testament. And John is reflecting on all that he experienced and all that the world needs to know about Jesus, and he summarizes it in these sentences, and he says this of his fullness we received. Are you basking a bit in the mystery of this goodness? This goodness that draws you in, and fills you to be around God. God loves to fill things. By the way, if you read Genesis one, two, and 3, uh, 1, 1 and two, excuse me, one and two, you have God filling the, the what? Filling the 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 ocean. God filling the the earth. The world is the oceans teeming with with life. God loves to fill things. And now the fullness we find where the fullness is from. Where is this sense of? The fullness is coming from the Son of God, of His fullness. Think about the alienation that you may feel. Think about the shame and the guilt. How about the sense of belonging? John is writing, of His goodness, we have we we've, we've been brought into the family, and we have been given Christ's fullness. He's held nothing back. Whoa. now these are some of the inexhaustible riches of knowing Christ they are ultimately relational riches to all who did receive him he gave the right to become children of God relational riches and then finally when you look just for a moment the riches of mystery in his becoming human. The riches of mystery in his becoming human. The word that created all things, the eternal Son of God, entered into humanity without diminishing his deity. God affirmed our humanity in a glorious way. 2 Corinthians 8 comes to mind For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The poverty spoken about there is that he was willing to embrace our humanity and be concealed in it in order to give us the riches of his grace. He, he never became less than God. And it, the incarnation is a mystery. Eugene Peterson, in his uh, paraphrase, the message of John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, his paraphrase says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. But John says, we've seen his glory. John says, we've seen his glory. This God-man revealed his glory. Now, Israel in the Red Sea experience was introduced to the glory cloud. Some of you may remember this. As the as they traveled through the Red Sea, God was with them in a glory cloud. And this cloud set down upon Mount Sinai. And this glory cloud continued with them as they had this portable tent structure called the, the tabernacle. And when that tabernacle was completed in its construction, which took a year, the glory cloud which was above, sat down upon that tabernacle, and the people knew that God's presence was among them. And John testifies in the same language, the glory cloud was always a picture of the Son of God, and he has pitched his tent among us. We have access to the very presence of God, in the Bible, this is a big deal. having access to the presence of God. And John says, "The glory cloud has come and pitched his tent among us." Why't you just introduce you to the idea of mystery. There is in the person of Jesus a mystery. A, you will not be able to explore the depths of it, but I would recommend that you begin to study Christology, begin to find yourself intrigued in what does it mean that I have a Savior who is both God and man. Don't be afraid of pursuing some of those, that subject, and I can recommend some books for you. I had an experience in a seminary um, with uh, an Old Testament professor who had uh, written a book. And so in class, we had the professor teaching from his book. Some of you have had this experience. And uh, I just thought this was kind of cool because I don't have to take notes. This <laughs> was great. I got page 35. That was all, the, all, all that I need. Something happened, though is as I'm watching and listening, and then I'm looking at page 35, I go, well, that's pretty good. But actually, what I'm hearing here is better. I think I better take some notes. So I have in this book, uh, it's on Old Testament narratives, uh, I have all these side margin notes from Richard Pratt, who was one of my Old Testament professors. So I had an experience of with being with the author of the book right now there is a world of difference between just reading the book and thinking about the author and reading the book with the author I'm just I'm just telling you that there's like it can't the comparison is almost uh, can't be done and I think that's what John is doing here John is writing a book but he's saying to us that the author is with us you ought to get to know him because that makes all the difference now I also had another experience with a book recently um, and this was a little bit of a funny one Uh, for me it was Um, whenever you know in preaching whenever you want to uh, whenever you're going to really preach about Christ right? I mean you this various, and then we're really going to preach about Christ. Um, you need to be pretty good at that stage, <laughs> and so you need to really know your stuff, right? So that particular aspect of preaching is important to me. I don't know how well how well I do it. So when you talk about the cross and the atonement, and you know, you need to really have something fresh and good in preaching. So I came across a digital book the other day oh man this thing looks fantastic it's cheap you know I'm, I'm going to get that book so I click on Amazon and I, and, I, and I have this nice little message from Amazon you already have that book and I, I that's that's okay wow it's interesting being one who is so near the cross in his preaching hopefully One who is wanting to read about the cross, hopefully, right? Interesting. I wasn't aware that I already had the book. And and I began to think about sort of the what does that that indicate about me? And not to beat myself up too much, I thought, interesting. What does that say about us? that we already, have, we already have the revelation. We already have what we need. We think we need it again, as it were, or we need, need to, to have something new. I began to think about that. What we need is to realize what we've been given in Jesus and to care about it and to love it. And to develop a love for the riches that are in Christ. And I would recommend to you, as you consider this month of Advent, John's gospel. And we will look, we will look again at some of the angles and insights from John's prologue next week. Let me pray for us. Father, I must admit that uh, I would represent a moderate view of my need, (laughs) Uh, and I have discovered, and I think a lot of my friends today have, that what you're doing in John's gospel is you're revealing to us the one who possesses us and the one that we possess Father, thank you for revealing your sweet mystery to us in Jesus that you can captivate our hearts and souls. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you caused us to be born again, that you brought by your will our adoption and you revealed to us this Jesus who is so full of beauty. And so, Lord, Have your way with us as a church and as individuals. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.